episode 103 of the Art of War Down Under podcast. It's hard to believe episode 100 was a couple of weeks ago when we're charging on into this new, I don't know, century of freaking shows. I am joined by a wonderful friend of mine, a local legend of the 40k scene. You may know him from Blog for the Blood God and his inability to censor himself. His name is Dean Sinbeck. Welcome to the show, brother. Thanks for having me, man. Good to be here. Now, we have this is a bit of an auspicious pairing that we've put together for your viewing pleasure. I am currently ranked number one in a certain uh, Chaos faction. Uh, Dean is ranked number one Chaos Space Room player in the world right now. Hence, we had to get this dynamic duo together. But how do you feel about being number one of the lesser Chaos faction? Because I am, of course, number one Dark Angels player in the world. <laughs> for now, very for now. Good, very good. Uh, yeah, no, I, I actually didn't even realize that I was up there. I was, somebody pointed it out to me. They're like, oh, man, congratulations on being number one. And I'm like, number one of what? And they're like, oh, ITC, because I don't really follow that stuff too too closely. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's definitely something I'm a bit proud of now that I know that it's a thing. And I am big noting the fact that I'm number one Dark Angels player right now because it will not last and cannot last. So I'm, I'm jumping on the wave, <laughs> riding the wave while it's there before it receives. Yeah, well, it's... It's interesting because as soon as I saw, as soon as people pointed out that I was number one in CSM, I was like, all of a sudden, I'm praying that the new CSM book is just garbage because then no one will de- no one well, will be able to dethrone me. Well, yeah, <laughs> exactly. If this is really powerful. Then I'm like, oh, now I need to maintain that. You're gonna have to spot. contend with stronger and stronger players. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. So the only reason I'm number one right now is because the ATC scores haven't come in. There's a bunch. Of my, I think two or three of the other top guys in, in the Dark Angels are playing at ATC. 340 players, even if they come like 50. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna top me, so I'm I'm jumping on it while I can and, and having my little my little moment in the sun. Yeah, get your screenshots while you can. Exactly <laughs> right. So it's just a whole thing of him. You know, you, you have like 20 pictures of your of your pet. Mine's just number one. <laughs> in ITC. Um, and yep. uh, we're here to finish off our review of the Chaos Space Marines Codex. Uh, for those who've been following us the last couple of weeks, this is an extremely dense, extremely thick book. And we are here to finish it off. We're going to be starting at the Malefic Discipline. But before we jump into that, Dean's going to tell you a little bit about what he does. Because when I first joined the scene, when I first started, before I like, I was still like two years away from making content, Dean was putting stuff out. And he's putting out some pretty cool, pretty specific stuff for people. And I think you should, guys should know all about it. Okay, cool. So uh, I basically, I started it like my blog. It's just, it was just started as a blog about like five, six years ago. Actually, come to think of it, it's probably closer to 10. Yeah, it was. <laughs> um, and I was literally just recording my hobby journey. And that was just a Facebook page that blew up and became a YouTube channel. And now I do tactics and strategy content, reviews of stuff, but it's all focused around the Chaos Space Marines. So I don't review, like if the new Tyranid book comes out, I don't care. I'm focusing on just really deep diving the Chaos Space Marine stuff and trying to drip every little bit of power out of those those books and those units as I can. 
And uh, yeah, that's more or less what I've been doing, as well as covering local tournaments and things like that. Mm, exactly right. Great, great servant of the local community in Victoria, Melbourne, where I'm from. Dean always runs a bunch of events. His content, you know, I don't want to be disparaging anyway. He'll, he'll very much accept this. It's not for everybody. He doesn't hold back. He speaks his mind very openly, which I respect greatly. And he uses all the vulgarities I am not allowed to. So <laughs> you guys, you guys <laughs> well, go and enjoy true it. Blue, it's a true blue Aussie podcast like it's a tr- it's it's true to form and if you, you you know you like the australian culture that's bled throughout all of my videos so i've i've allowed because because i am paying homage to my australian roots i've allowed dean one strategic swear word to be dropped as <laughs> like it's like a word of power on this episode where you can drop it strategically during the review where it will make the most impact and we're, of course we're going to bleep it out but you know we'll stay tuned for the the word of power yeah. uh, it will be Literally, when, when you said that i immediately thought oh all of my prep work is now going into deciding where, where? i drop that <laughs> where <is it> gonna <laughs> I'm, drop? Not gonna, I'm not gonna be deep diving strategies on deep diving how to how to strategically swear <laughs> it's gonna be fantastic anyway for those who do not know um art of wild day none is a two-part podcast first part comes out for you guys tuesday mornings produced by the lovely Seamus Ronan who's a fantastic member of this team much appreciation to him also appreciation to the lovely gentleman who continues to put in timestamps in the YouTube comments of my shows you are an absolute gentleman and I'll keep shouting you out for as long as you keep doing that gentleman and a scholar some things I need to point out when I do a review of a book guys I have zero foreknowledge um, I don't read ahead I don't study it because I want I want the contrasting view of somebody who has yet to read the book as in hopefully putting myself into the shoes of you the viewer um, and I'm being kind of your representative on the show uh, contrasted with with the expert, say, in this case, Dean, someone who's well-versed with the book, played a bunch of games. So I have the beginner view, and we have the hopefully the expert view of the material we're viewing. And so that can lead to me like having some misconceptions, some misreads, assuming Terminators get get icons, which I you would just assume that they would if you had no foreknowledge that, the, that they don't, because um, they always used to, right? Did Terminate Terminators? Your, yeah, your ones were hitting me up. Your ones had exploding yeah, they used fours. To. They used to. And I've modeled all path. of mine having icons, so... Now yeah. snap all those icons off. <laughs> so I do apologize for the mistakes, but they're there because it's. I feel like it adds actually adds something. Me have not having foreknowledge of the book, it actually adds something in in the unpacking in the explanations. And the hope is that you guys will learn things you wouldn't learn otherwise because I, we just don't go through this book with a bunch of assumptions of knowledge from the um, from the you guys the listener base. Uh, this is a this is primarily a review based podcast. Like I said, the first part comes out for free, and the first part the review of the content will forever forever be free. I have no intentions of. Ever charging any money for you guys to try and stay stay current keep up with what i do if you want the extra if you want the bonus if you or if you want to support me in what i do please come over to art of war down under on patreon or go to the art of 40k.com i do really appreciate the support it is 103 episodes multiple multiple hours every single week um, it certainly makes it a lot more palatable um, but we will jump into this review we started we so me and i had anthony vanilla on last week and we did the first of the psychic disciplines so the second one here is on a page 119 now why is there two disciplines mate who can take which one of these so you got the sorcerer takes the uh dark hereticus discipline and yep. then the master of possession which is the far superior choice takes the malefic discipline Ooh, i'm interested to hear why he says far superior we'll unpack that in a minute well, yeah you'll realize pretty fast when you start <laughs> reading through these powers fair well the first one is called warp marked this is a malediction. The warp char- warped mark has a warp charge value of seven. If manifested, select one enemy unit within eighteen of this psyker until the start of your next psychic phase. Each time a friendly legion demonkin or legion demon 
engine model makes an attack against that unit, add one to the attack's wound roll. So range 18, warp charge 7 is not easy to cast, um, but plus one to wound is pretty damn potent. What do you feel about this, mate? Oh, it's insane. So, like, we've just had um, veterans of the long wall go from one CP to two, which yep. is a massive nerf, but then they've effectively replaced it with this. I mean, yes, it only affects demon kin and demon engines, but... It lasts until your next psychic phase. So yep. you, you shoot them, you get plus one to wound, then you charge them, you get plus one to wound, then in their turn, their fight continues, you get plus one to wound there. It's insane. And this is a really good way of trying to get a bit of an extra lift out of your shooting phase, right? Yeah, correct. Because the shooting phase for CSM, particularly on Demonkin units, is, is lacking completely, except for the obliterators. But um, uh, And the demon engines are good, but they're not that good. But when you, when you factor in things like this, they become really powerful. Mm. And in addition, this is just like a, if you want to just slap a big old deterrent on somebody using their big fatty whatever unit, uh, the yep. thing you're scared of, you're like, well, you can come in here and kill this thing. I don't care about losing, but then you are dead. But anyway, moving on, what's the next one? Uh, so the next one's Pact of Flesh, which is a blessing. It's got a warp charge value of five. And if manifested, you select a friendly Legion core or uh, Legion core, Legion Demonkin or Legion character unit within 18 inches. And one model regains up to D3 lost wounds. And if you selected a core or Demonkin unit that is not at starting strength, one destroyed model is added back to the unit with its full wounds remaining. Ooh, so okay. this one's, yeah, this is probably one of the most busted powers ever because you can use it. There's a lot of people talking about using it to regenerate 90-point obliterators, mm -hmm. which is obviously like the the master of position himself only costs like 100 points. So yeah. you do that power once and he's pretty much paid for himself. But I think the real value comes from bringing back core models. So you can bring back Terminators and, and those Terminators are so hard to kill when you put yeah. other powers on them that... Yeah bringing those guys back is just such a pain for your opponent. And also it gives you the leapfrog up the board um, to get closing distance and whatnot. So this is, so what you're alluding to there with the 90 point obliterators and stuff like that is the same issue we had with apothecaries when they first came out, where they were resing what 85 point multi-melter um, ATVs that had freaking nine yeah. wounds and crazy. They've got nine wins? Eight wins. Some crazy amount of wins. <laughs> they got a lot. Uh, this is only a five as well. This is pretty easy to cast. Is this, is this the reason the master possessions like auto take? This is one of them, and it's also worth noting that it's this is only a uh, warp charge five. Yeah. But the master of possessions has his little ritual dagger, and basically he can do D three mortal wounds to a nearby unit and gain plus two to his casts. Awesome! So right. it becomes effectively a warp <laughs> shot. So it's an auto pass. <laughs> so literally, you stab the cultist, res the oblit. <laughs> stab the cultist, yeah. res the oblit. That's uh, pretty good. Or, or one really cool trick that you can do with this power is you take your unit that's just arrived in from deep strike or oh, from, you know, strategic yep. reserves, yep. then in the psychic phase, you stab one, kill it, res then it in front. res it, mm. and you res it in front, and it's now closer to your enemy, which makes it, I think you can get it on, a, if you've got a 40 mil base, like a Terminator, yeah, to a six. you can get it up to a, a, like a five-inch charge. Oh, crazy. Dude, that is actually really, really cool. Uh, but then you always risk rolling the one on the D3, and you don't kill a dude. Um, yeah, well, that's why the trick is you've got to... You've got to give this guy, there's a relic you can give him to make him cast three powers, and then you basically, you do it three times. Stab, stab, stab. Guaranteed <laughs> to do. Da, da, da. Even, yeah. <laughs> even if you roll a one on every one, you're still going to kill someone. And, and like, all your stuff is now so killy that if you dropped a unit of ten whatevers and killed two of them, you're like, that's ah, fine. Uh, you're still, yeah, exactly. still bulldozing. All right, Curse Nurse <laughs> up next. This was an, this was one of the best powers that they had in the old book. It is a blessing, is an aura. It's a warp charge value of seven. Once again, not easy to cast. If manifested at the start of your next psychic phase, while a friendly demon kin or demon, kin, demon engine unit is within six of the psyker, 
Uh, they have a four plus invulnerable save, and each time an enemy unit finishes a charge move within engagement range of that unit, roll a d6. On a two to four, that enemy unit suffers one mortal wound. On a five, it suffers d3 mortal wounds. Man, they really didn't need the rider on that. The four plus invulnerable save was more than enough to get this over the line. Yeah, correct. Yeah, it is. this is a very good power as well. They're, they're literally all good powers, but this one in particular is quite spicy. Yeah, spot on. Another another seven to cast, <laughs> so they're, they're just saying like, hey, stab people, you will cast better. Pretty much, get yeah. Out the it's their way of forcing you to use that that ritual dagger, and it makes you plan. It makes you plan for it, though, doesn't it? Like you're gonna have to. You're gonna actually take a unit or two to give you wounds to get your powers better. Yeah, correct. Yeah, or you're gonna make sure that you're like another thing you can do is you can if you make a mark of slanesh, you can cast delightful agonies on the unit first. Oh, and then. And then when you stab them in the subsequent powers, you're getting five up, feel no pain against those mortals. That's cool. That's actually a great bit of tech. Which one's next? Uh, next is Possession. So Possession is a Witch Fire. It's got a warp charge value of six. If manifested, select one enemy unit within nine inches and visible to the Psyker. Roll a D6, adding one to the result if the test was on an unmodified 10+. If the result is greater than the toughness characteristic, one model in that unit is destroyed. Then, if that unit is not destroyed, it suffers an additional D3 mortal wounds. It's like a, so this one's obviously, it's like a super smite, you know? Yeah, it's like a weird executioner, isn't it? Like yeah, um, yeah. Eldari so, have? Yeah, well, it's interesting because it doesn't say specify anything there about characters. So you mm. could use this, and it's it's not the closest target either. It's just within nine inches and visible. Yeah. So you could use this to snipe out, like, Sisters of Battle characters that are only toughness three. Yep. Which is pretty, pretty spicy. Or it's just really good on those those units that think they're really hard to kill, like say the CSM Terminators or mm. Paladins or something like that, because it's like cool. You've got a you know if it's a toughness four unit, you've got a one in three chance of just killing one, and even if you don't, they cop D three mortals as well. Yeah, it's actually not bad. Like it, what, uh, casting on a six, you stab somebody, get that down to a four. Um, is it, it's unmodified ten though, so you know the two plus the plus two doesn't add, so you can't get it off on an eight or whatever. Um, but it's yeah. actually surprisingly a good power. I did not expect this to be good. I saw Witchfire yeah, and thought, eh. It's one of the better Witchfire powers. However, I think Witchfire powers in general are just not necessary. You're better off with the ones that are going to buff your units up. Yeah, it's it's always the the way with Ninth Edition, right? Why take something that does damage when everything does damage? Just keep alive the points you paid to do damage, which is your you know, yeah. In, in this case, it's your Terminators. It's your um yeah possessed. So like. For example, even if this goes absolutely crazy and you, you kill one paladin and do another D3 mortal wounds to the unit, is that better than giving your entire possessed or your all your demon engines plus one to wound against that yes. unit? You're probably yeah. gonna you're probably gonna net more than one kill mm-hmm. through that. So it's almost always better to buff your big units than it is to just do direct damage. Yeah. Spot on. Um, Infernal Power is next one. It is a blessing, a warp charge value of six. If manifested, select one demon kin or demon engine unit within 18 of the Psyker. Until the start of your next psychic phase, each time a melee attack is made by a demon kin or demon engine model in that unit, and a modified hit roll of six automatically wounds the target. In such cases, for the purposes of rules that are triggered by a particular wound roll, the that attack is considered to have been made with an unmodified wound roll of six in addition. So that's the little um, Halo Doom Rider as well. So, you know, if you had anything that would trigger trigger extra rand or extra damage or whatever it would be on sixes to wound and also that six counts as that although i see as this as being like a a bit of a win more yeah it's not i don't like this power to be honest i don't think it's great i mean there are some uses that you could pair it like for example if you've got uh, lord discordant he's a demon engine yep. if you put the flames of spite warlord trade on him he gets re-roll wounds and every six to wound is a mortal wound 
Yep. And if you put this on it, every six to hit is also a mortal wound. That's cool. Because that counts as a six. six. So it, it, that's, a, that's an interesting combo. So now every time you roll, you, he's got like 14 attacks. You roll those. Every time you roll a six to hit, it's a mortal wound. Mm-hmm. And every time you roll a six to wound with three roll wounds, it's a mortal wound. So it's a lot. You're going to do a fair few mortal wounds yeah. there. That is pretty sick. All right, what's the last one? <clears throat> and the last one, this is probably one of my favorites as well, which is um, Mutated Invigoration. It's a blessing. Uh, it has a warp charge value of six. If manifested, select one friendly Legion unit within 18 inches of the Psyker. Until the end of your next Psychic phase, add one to either their strength or toughness characteristic of the models in that unit. And if the psychic test was a 10 plus use uh, and you selected a demon kin or demon engine, you add one to both of those characteristics. So this one is one of the reasons why the chaos space ring terminators yeah. will be in almost every list because you can make them toughness five. And then with combination of other relics and powers, you can make them practically unkillable. Yeah. yeah with minus, minus one to wound, the top, the difference between toughness four with minus one to wound and toughness five minus one to wound is actually massive. Yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah. and you can actually get them up to toughness six with minus one to wound. So that's you can actually make insane. these guys really yeah. silly. So your strength five, your heavy bolters wound them on sixes if they're strength six minus yeah. one to wound. That's nuts. Um, yeah. that, such a pain in the ass. I can see why. <laughs> I, okay, well I now understand why the master possession, like just just the, the res power, just literally taking the dude to be like a smite caddy plus an apothecary is a game yeah. changer. Yeah, so the way I see this guy being played mostly, if if you can, is because depending on your legions and whatnot, is you'll be running him as a slanesh with the relic for plus one power, can cast an additional power, and then you'll be basically putting Pact of Flesh, Mutated Invigoration, and Delightful Agonies, and casting all three of those on a big, tough unit in the middle of the table. Yeah. Yeah. And he'll be wrapped around in that unit. Yeah. So... He'll probably do more damage to that unit over the course of the game than your opponent. Because <laughs> he'll, keep, he'll keep killing guys and then resing them closer. You, and then the next turn he kills a guy and reses him closer. Could you imagine being part of that unit and you're just sitting there, you're the one closest to him with his little shank knife and like, oh, this <laughs> yeah. is going to suck. He's going he's gonna to kill just, me yeah. and then necromancer me like, you know, two feet in front somehow. <laughs> yeah, it'd be, it'd be like if Khan the Betrayer was a sorcerer. Yeah, it's every, everyone line up to take one between the ribs and then get res yeah. closer. Um, all right, uh, Prayers of the Dark Gods is up next. Uh, they have Dark Zealotry as their um, default prayer that they all know. This is the same as, is it the Canticle of Hate, the Litany of Hate? I can't remember which one it is. I think it's the Litany of Hate, which is the Aura of Rerolls to hit. They have, you have yeah. the same thing yeah. now. Uh, but the first of the actual ones is Rathal <laughs> Entreaty. Um this prayer, if this prayer is heard, select one friendly Legion core, sorry, Legion Corn or Legion Corn character unit within six of this priest. Each time a model in that unit makes an attack, it is considered to be engaged in destruction, massacre, and slaughter for that attack. I'm literally, by the way, guys, I'm dropping off all the wantons. I think everyone yes, should just, man. we should just make an agreement. The wanton doesn't exist. Feel free to blank it out in your book. Just call it destruction, massacre, slaughter. So, uh, yep. this, so this is the corn specific one that says you're in every, you're in every doctrine, right? Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Which is kind of silly because like chances are you're only going to want to be in, in one of those doctrines. Like not many units are running around with a heavy weapon and assault weapons and doing damage in combat. Yeah. Yeah. But it essentially, it, it might as well have said, pick a doctrine, and it counts as being in that one. And I've been yeah. calling them doctrines, by the way. So if I say that, just you know, you know what I'm talking about. Forgive us. Because you, know, you pick a, pick if you want to be in destruction, massacre, or slaughter, mm. is what um, I think it should be, because that makes more sense to that me. That makes but. more sense as well. All right, what's up next? Uh, so the next one is mutating 
invocation. So this is an aura as well. If this prayer is heard, when uh, while a friendly Legion Zinch core or Legion Zinch character unit is within three inch of this priest, roll a d6. Each time that model would lose a wound, and on a six up, that wound is not lost. Not bad. It's not bad. Six up, feel no pain, especially because Zinch, obviously, they don't have access to the delightful agonies. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, if you build if you build around it, it's probably good. And you get all the, the Legion, the, the marks. Sorry, the God-specific ones when you mark your disciple or... Correct. Yeah. Yeah, correct. So all you have to do is give him the mark and he unlocks the their allegiance, the you know, God-specific well, one. It's actually in pretty... addition to the other ones he owns. Yeah, it's actually pretty sick because then by default they have two fallbacks. They have their mark and they have the, the full rerolls to hit one, the, the linear correct, hate one. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, correct. All right, Feculent Beseechment. Uh, this is the Nurgle one. If it's heard, select a Nurgle core or Nurgle character unit within six of the priest. Add one to the toughness characteristics of models in that unit. Is that how you get another tough to tough to six? Correct. That's how you get your Terminators to toughness six. Because if not, if there was another way, that's the toughest seven. You were like, oh no, let's um, not do that. <laughs> and interestingly, so this is, you have to select a Legion Nurgle core. So that means if you want to use this on your Terminators, they have to be Mark of Nurgle. Yeah. Which means you don't gain access to the Delightful Agony's five up for no pain. However, you, you're toughness six and you've got Mark of Nurgle, which means that anybody who's strength six is winning you on fives. On fives. Because yeah. of the Mark of Nurgle. Uh, and even if they're strength twelve, they're still only winning you on fours. So, well, this is this is the way that I think you can make two ultra durable Terminator units. You can, yes, because I think you can have the Slanesh one with the life agonies, and you can have the Nurgle one that's just walking around as toughness six, being like, "Ha, huh, what are you going to do?" Um, yeah, correct. Because you need such specific weapons to handle each of those units, and it's just very unlikely one army has both of those. Like, you know, in, yeah. in spades. All right, what's the last one? And the last one is Blissful Devotion. If this is the Slanesh one, if it's heard, select a friendly Legion Slanesh core or Legion Slanesh character unit within six of this priest. That unit is eligible to declare a charge in a turn in which it advanced. Oof. So advance and charge. So this one's my personal favorite because this means that, that if you if you are taking the Slaneshi Terminator brick with the five up Funo Pain, mm -hmm. you're also able to move them their five inches, advance them, and if you're Emperor's Children, you can advance an auto six, but if you're just regular Slaanesh, you don't have that option. Uh, but either way, you're moving your five, you're advancing, then in the psychic phase, you're resing a model even further yeah. forward from your Pact of Flesh. They're actually surprisingly fast, like shockingly fast. That's scary, man. It's scary, because they move five as well, like basic Terminators, do they? Correct, yeah. Yeah, so what's that? Five plus a min-six advance, so we go 11, plus resing to add another four, four and a half-ish. So yeah, we're yeah. looking at like 15 and a half, then declaring a charge, possibly with Honor the Prince, and, you know, you are not safe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is what I heard there. Yeah, uh, yeah all right. pretty much. Jumping into the generics, uh, Benediction of Darkness. If this prayer is heard while a friendly Legion Core, Legion Character, or Legion Cultist unit is wholly within six of the priest, each time a ranged attack is made against that unit is treated as having the benefits of light cover against that attack. I do like there's no, um, if the unit is, you know, further than 12 inches away or crap like that on that. I like that they can be yeah, like... Correct. Yeah. One inch away, you still get the light cover. Um, that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, the challenge is the unit has to be wholly within yeah. six inches. So you've, you can't, like, string out onto an objective mm -hmm. or something like that. Like, you have got to be running as a bit of a nugget. Um, but that being said, if you put this on, a, I don't know, like a unit of Terminators, <laughs> it's pretty spicy. <laughs> it's pretty spicy, man. Armor of Contempt, yeah. just double down. Um, but fair enough. 
Uh, what's next? Yep. Yeah, it's quite good. Uh, and also there's um, your Legion character. So a Legion character could be, there's another combo here, which is uh, Lord Discord is a Legion character. Yep. And he has a two-up armor save. And because he's a vehicle, he typically doesn't gain the, the light cover. True. But I believe through this you do. Yeah, for sure you would. I believe. Yeah. So that means, and you can also give him the Gorget of Hate, which is a relic that gives him plus one to his saving throws. So now he's got a two-up with a plus one armor of contempt and light cover. Yeah, wow. That's really so annoying. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck killing him. Yeah, that's well. So, you yeah, have to be neg, that's pretty You have to be well. neg four to, or neg three ignores cover to get him off his two up. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it so, so might as well just say give Lord Scorden a two up. <laughs> yep. Uh, what's the next one? All right. So next is Listening of Despair. If this prayer is heard, select one enemy unit within twelve inches of the priest. Roll a d6. If the result is greater than the unit's leadership characteristic, sorry, roll three d6. If it's leader, uh, greater than their leadership characteristic, select one of the following to take effect. The unit cannot perform actions. If it's currently performing an action, the action immediately fails, and the unit cannot fire Overwatch set to defend and is not eligible to fight in the fight phase until after all eligible units in your army have done so. That's so yeah, this is really nice. good because one of the things that CSM really struggled with in the previous book was we didn't have any ways of making people fight last. So, <laughs> you know, things yeah. like your world eaters would go in and it's like, cool, you just charge in, they'd make you fight last, they'd interrupt over there, they'd you know, and they just yeah. ruin you. Yeah. Whereas this is this is good. It is kind of concerning that you have to first of all you have to get the prayer off, which goes off on a two up. So you still got a chance of failing there. Yep. And then you've got another fail point, which is that you have to beat their leadership on three D six. So like, I mean, you, you, you're likely to, but it's still a potential fail point as well. Yeah, and you have to be within 12, so it's not a huge range. Um, yeah. Like, the priest almost has to advance up to get to get this off. Um, Correct. Mind you, like, I, I've yet to find a, uh, a time when I wanted to stop a unit doing an action over making them fights last, you know? <laughs> like, I could make them yeah, not get you one point by putting up a banner, or I could stop my entire army dying to these Terminators. I wonder which but, I'm going even- to <laughs> almost all of the good actions, when we're talking specifically when we're talking secondaries, almost all of the good ones are ones that you finish in your own turn. Well, you don't take the ones. In that... which case, you, you, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you don't get an opportunity to stop them. Yeah. If, if, if your opponent's picking the secondaries where it's like start this action in your turn and finish it in your next command phase, then you can just go in and kill that unit. Yes. And then exactly. the, the action fails. You, so if... unless you really want to stretch yourself, where like they might be doing multiple actions, you might be like, cool, I'm going to use my litany to stop that action, and then I'm going to kill the unit over there and stop that action. Like, yeah. It does have use, but I think more often than not, this will be used for the fight last. Absolutely. This is your, in, in the Empress Children builds, this is the, the, is it the third or the fourth way to fight last? I think it's the third. The way to fight last. third, yeah. Yeah, third. because you've got, so um, you got Lucius, Lucius strategy, yeah. and you've got this. Exactly. Actually, I think there is one more. I think there is one more. For some reason, someone told me you can do four, but I, I haven't. Think, yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure there's a relic as well. Um, next up is Omen of Potency. If this prayer is heard, add three to the attack characteristic of the priest. Improve the AP characteristic of melee weapons. Excluding relics, this priest is equipped with by two, three attacks and extra two rend. That's pretty saucy. But the thing is, you're it's not good. The army does not lack for melee punch. So taking something that is uh, is not that good in melee and trying to make it better is not as good as just making the stuff that's already amazing better. Correct. And similar similar principle to like what we said with the Master of Possession. It's like, yeah, yeah. sure, you could do a little bit more damage here, but you're better off buffing the big units in your army. Like the, the characters in this... I mean, yes, CSM can do some serious damage with their characters, 
Uh, and this does pair pretty well with a few of the different um, special weapons and stuff that you can get through relics. Yep. It doesn't improve the AP of relics, but you do get those extra three attacks. Yeah, I mean, can he take the Black Mace? On he a can take the Black Mace. Ooh, yep, that's a can. lot of attacks. And, well, which is pretty spicy. There's got to be... So every every one chaplain has a, a... Like, there's the Bonk Marta, the Dog Marta, with all the relics and stuff to make her a bit of a blend. Yep. Everyone knows about the Smash Chaplain with the Damage 4 Crozius that we had from White... Damage 5 Crozius from White Scars we had for a while um, and stuff yep. like that. Um, so, yeah, surely there's a, a Dark Apostle build that's going to slap some people around. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's a few different ways you can run. There's, there's an Emperor's Children guy where um, he gets to make two hit rolls for every attack so you put this on him and then there's another warlord trait which gives him another attack so he goes in with like nine attacks making two hit rolls for each one sounds good and then and then you can make each one of those do mortal wounds on sixes you can get burial wounds there's all kinds of crazy stuff you can do all right warp site plea is up next uh, if this prayer her- is heard select one friendly legion core cultist or character unit within six of the priest each time model that unit makes a ranged attack reroll hit roll of one and the target does not receive the benefits of cover against that attack um not crap but i'm trying to figure it's not out what it used to be no it, it used to be plus one to hit which was oh, amazing yeah um now it's just re-rolling ones and ignoring cover ignoring cover is is good yeah but i don't think people will be taking this well i'm just trying to figure out a unit that it would go on i suppose it would i suppose havocs it would make a big difference on on havoc especially if you're using the chain cannon havocs when you just have a uh a, a yeah. bunch of dice that are gonna get the re-rolls and a bunch of dice that need the extra ignores cover for the rent yeah yeah I think this, yeah, I just think this is just not going to get played because re-rolling ones, I mean, if you've got a Lord nearby, you're getting that anyway. It's true. Yeah. Abaddon gives that anyway, so yep. you're probably fine. And yeah, I don't know. I don't see it being that great. Easy. Uh, next? next up, Soul, uh, Soul Terror Portent. If this prayer is heard, it's like one friendly Legion core, Legion cultist, or Legion character within six inches of the priest. Each time an attack, uh, each time a model in that unit makes a melee attack, add one to the attack's wound roll. Okay. So yeah. similar similar to that psychic power where we're like, oh, this is really good because it gets plus one to wound. Mm-hmm. On, on the the difference is that, that that psychic power was demon kin or demon engine, yep. whereas this is just legion core cultists or characters. So this is really good for those Terminators as well. Exactly. And this is this is a, a start of the command phase. It goes off and then you can literally send the unit out. Like you don't need to stay in any yeah. auras. You just give them the buff and send them in onto the prince or whatever else you've got. Uh, advance and charge. Yeah. Um, really good. Really good. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty spicy. Uh, and it's also worth noting that there is a 2CP stratagem to use this out of, out of phase. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to do it in the command phase. You can do oh, it in any phase. Someone can deep strike down, then you chuck this on them. So you could, yeah, yeah. You could deep strike a unit in. You could deep strike this guy in with the Master of Possessions and some Terminators. Yep. And then use 2CP to do this power, give him reroll wound, uh, plus one to wound. And then you could do it in the psyche phase, stretch out that unit, summon him forward. With the pack to flesh and then charge in, yeah, it's pretty 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 cool little combo. Very cool. All right, last one: illusionary supplication. Uh, if this prayer is heard, select one friendly legion cultist, uh, core, or character within six of the priest. Each time an attack is made against that unit, and a modified hit roll of one to three for that attack fails, irrespective of any modifiers the models making the attack may have, and the attack's hit roll cannot be re-rolled. So naturally, this is not great for Iron Warriors because they already have you cannot re-roll. Uh, Oh, sorry, they have re- no, not cover roll to they, hit. They have, yeah, they can't be roll to wound. This it's is better insane. for Iron Warriors. Uh, so I, I'm whoa. actually in the process of, of making a video for my channel where it's talking about the Iron Warriors Terminators because you the, you can make that unit 
so insanely tough by making it so you can't hit them on a one, two, or a three, and you can't re-roll to hit. Yep. You can't wound them on a one, two, or a three, and you can't re-roll to, to wound. wound. Their toughness six. Yeah. Neg one to wound. Yeah. <laughs> like you so you just things, yeah. This then, is, unless you can do mortal wounds, you can't. You just can't scratch them. Yeah. Could you take three? Can you take three litanies on somebody? No. Because there's three here I really want. I want Suffice Last, I want the plus one to wound, and I want this one. Transhitment, which is what we're, we're as a collective, we're starting to call this effect Transhitment, trans as in it's transhuman for the hit roll instead of the wound roll. Um, I like it. That's good. This one having the rider that you can't re-roll as well, this could easily have just lost either one of these dot points and still been worth taking. The fact that it has both. Yeah. Whoa, my lord, this is yeah. very powerful. Yeah, this is this this is why every list that I've been writing, and I'm sort of just stuck in a pattern here, where every list I write starts with a master of possessions, a um, dark apostle. What's he called? A ma- dark apostle. Thank you, and a unit of terminators, because those three things together make such a sick little combo, mm-hmm. and it doesn't cost you any CP. Like you don't have to spend any true. command points yeah, to do it. True. And it's just this little tough little nugget, and it's mm. only like you know, it's like 500 points when you factor in the characters and stuff. But it just gives you something that you know is going to be able to weather that punch. Yeah, that's a big deal, dude. Really big deal. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I wish I could have three. I really wish I would. But I, right as it sits right now, like which which do you value better? Do you value the feist last of litany despair or the plus one to wound from solita terror? Because I'm of the opinion illusionary supplication makes the cut. It's just whether which of the other two do I want or need. Yeah, so it's all it's a hundred percent illusory. That that's the first one you lock in. Um, I've been locking in the um, plus one to wound. Yep. Um, because the problem that I see with the litany of despair is if you if you if you line up your play and your plan is I'm going to make that unit fight last. I'm going to charge it. Then I'm going to fight over there first, knowing yep. that they yep. can't interrupt here. So you've got this this really complex plan that you've laid out in your movement phase. You know this is what I'm doing this turn, and then you fail this litany. Like you've mm-hmm. already done the movement, like or you, mm-hmm. you. I mean, technically, you do this in the command phase, but chances are you're going to be using the two CP strat to do this outside of phase. Yeah, because your opponent has to be within twelve inches of you. So chances are you're going to be do, doing movement to get within twelve inches of them, and then spending the two CP to do do the prayer. Yeah. So it's it's going to cost you CP to do, and you're going to be putting yourself in a position where if it fails, you're in a lot of trouble. Whereas the the other one, the soul terror. You don't have to do outside of phase. So you're saving two yeah. CP, and if it doesn't go off, it's not the end of the world. There's no, fa- yeah, there's no extra failure points. Like the linear yeah. despair can just can you can just line everything up, do everything perfectly, and then it just fails you. So I totally yeah. agree with that. Um, jumping yeah. down to the warlord traits, the first of which is flames of spite. Each time this warlord makes a melee attack, you can reroll the attack's wound roll. Each time uh, this warlord makes an attack on a modified wound roll of six, the target uh, suffers one mortal wound in addition to any normal damage. So this was part of the a bunch of different combos we've already alluded to but yeah. uh with in this economy um do you struggle to justify because this doesn't seem like it's the it's an auto take like this doesn't seem like one you would just take on your warlord but this so this has to come with a combo piece right this has to come with like a lord disco yeah, correct, or a, correct. Yeah? It's, it's, this is one of those things and the, um this is where people end up like going down a rabbit hole that they probably should have never entered mm-hmm. where you go, okay, cool. I'm going to spend a CP to put flames of spite on him. And then you're like, Oh, well, if I'm giving him that, I should probably give him a relic as well. Right. Because I'll yeah. like double down on this investment. So then you're like, okay, I'll give him a relic as well. And then the, there's certain ways that you can give him two relics where as long as one of them is not a demon weapon. So you go, okay, cool. So I'm going to give him two relics and now he's spending three CP. And then it's like, all of a sudden you've just funneled all of your CP into this one character. Mm-hmm. And if your opponent's smart, they're either going to avoid the character or kill the character. Yeah. 
either either way, those three CP are just gone, and you'll Correct. never get them back. Correct. So it it can be really good, but I I I warn people, you know, just try try not to get too carried away making these beat stick characters because if you, if you waste all your CP, you're gonna you're gonna regret it later in the game. Totally agree. What's the next one? Next one is Unholy Fortitude. Each time this Warlord would lose a wound, roll a d6 on a 5 plus, that wound is not lost. Sick. Pretty straight up so, and down. Yeah, this, this one's really good in the way that it doesn't necessarily lead you into spending more CP because you just go, yeah. cool, I've got like a, a Lord Discordant, I'm going to put a 5 up, feel no pain on him. He doesn't need any weapons because his weapons are all pretty sick. It's just good. Yeah, I feel like this could have a rider though. Like a lot of the ones of the same of the same ilk would say, oh, it gets plus one wound or plus one toughness and a five plus feel no pain. Um, yeah, but fair enough. It's it's still fine. Hatred incarnate. There's up. a few. No, oh, sorry, I was just going to say there's a few legion specific ones that are exactly what you just said. So yeah. it's five up feel no pain and plus one toughness, or it's a five up feel no pain and you can't reroll stuff. It's like yeah. So this is the generic one is is like quite generic, but the legion specific ones have the spice. Have those. Um, next up, Hatred Incarnate. Each time this Warlord fights, if it made a charge, move, or performed a heroic intervention this turn, until that fight is resolved, add one to the strengths and attacks characteristic of this Warlord. Each time the Warlord makes a melee attack, you can re-roll the hit roll. Uh, pretty good. I mean, plus one attack, plus one strength on the charge or heroic is not awful. But uh, once again, we're just making what are already pretty beady beat sticks into more beatery or beat sticks. I'm not sure it's required. Correct. The the important one to note on this is that that plus one strength, when paired with certain relics, can actually put you to an interesting break point. So this is one of the ways that you can get a Black Mace or a Lord Discordance uh, Chain Glaive up to strength eight. Yep. Which is which is very. Or if you put a marker coin, you can even get them up to strength nine, which is really valuable if you want to create a character that can go in and kill an Imperial Knight. That's a big deal. So it's important to note that. But also, like we said, if you do this, well, you're obviously going to be pairing this with a relic. You're not going to just have that. Mm-hmm. So maybe I think that I think the trick here is you pick one character and you give him the uh, one of these warlord traits and one of the relics. Yeah. But you don't want to do that across like two three nah, characters. No, nah, you really. I don't think you can afford to. I do like what um. So Anthony was saying he gets around that because he takes a baton, he takes Lucius, and then he takes a disco. And the disco has all the kit. A baton's already ridiculous. Lucius is already yep. really good. Don't need any more investment. Yeah. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Um, Lord of Terror. This sounds like it should be Night Lord specific, but it's not, and it's all morale phase jank. So tell us about it. Interesting. Okay, so it's while an enemy unit is within six inches of the Warlord, each time a morale test is taken for that unit, you roll an additional D6 and discard the lowest result. Uh, and if the unit fails morale test until the end of the phase, it is considered to be below half strength for the purposes of combat attrition tests. I've never heard of this. It's weird. <laughs> um, it's, yeah. I mean, if you take it with Night Lords, it could be interesting because they have some other ways of, like, layering on even further debuffs. Yeah. And there's also a few units, like, for example, Warp Talons and stuff. They, like, have an inbuilt neg one to leadership. So yep. even against big things like Custodies that are leadership 11, you, you might get some value out of it. But nah, I can't see it. I not, wouldn't wait. Yeah. Not in this economy. <laughs> Yeah, Eternal, don't, waste, don't waste your time with it. I agree, and it's a shame. It's a shame that like the morale phase isn't a thing. Like it just doesn't doesn't change the outcomes of games uh, very often, if at all. Yeah. Next up, Eternal Vendetta is an aura. At the start, uh, sorry, at the start of the first battle round before the first turn begins, select one enemy unit. To the end of the battle, while a friendly Legion core Legion character unit is within six of this Warlord, each time model in that unit, sorry, in that Legion unit, makes an attack against the enemy. You can reroll the attacks of wound roll. So this is um, old grudges for guard, but guard have this from range. This is only in melee, um, and this is picking against one 
unit. Do we think? I mean, so this makes a lot of sense in a, in like a Death Star meta, right? When you can just pick your opponent's best unit because it's very clear what that is, and then they they're like, if you don't use that unit, you lose the game pretty much. Um, but so, um, sorry, I don't think this is actually only in melee. So it's until the end of the battle, a unit within six inches of the oh, sorry, each time I, I it makes it. an attack against. So it does work. I totally true. read that wrong, and this this is this is why <laughs> I have to have other people on the show because every now and then I just have a spud read, and my apologies. Um, it, it, actually, it does work in in in, in shooting. I what I saw within six said, of the we ward. We don't have any particularly valuable shooting anyway. Well, so. uh, it, it turns out I was right anyway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, does, it does work in the shooting phase, but it doesn't matter. Um, but no, this is this is actually a lot better. Um, I would I. As soon as I saw within six of the wall, for some reason, I, I assumed it was melee. Um, yeah. My brain. Uh, so this is this is actually quite good. But is it the right meta for it? Yeah. Well, I mean, interestingly, so one of the things that that a lot of Chaos Space Marine players were upset about was that Terminators lost lightning claws, right? Yeah. And they gained um, a generic, the cursed weapon, right? But if you pair this, well, now you've got your lightning claws back, but they're higher strength and higher AP. Correct. So if you have modeled them all up with lightning claws and you really like that thematic way of going in and re-rolling wounds and doing all this stuff, you can pair it with this and it's going to be cool. And it's quite powerful mm. because now they're going in with strength five. You can get them up to like, you know, strength six. You can get them strength seven if you really want. There's, there's different ways that you can really buff them up. And then that Terminator unit can absolutely blend. Yes. Spot on, man. <laughs> and yeah, I think this is good. I just wonder when we're going to see a meta where it's required. I mean, against knights, it makes a lot of sense. Against... I mean, actually, it gets a whole bunch of stuff. But the fact is, you put this on your list now in this economy, and uh, two games out of four, you just don't have a target. Like, you play against yes. Eldar, and you're like, well, I guess I'm using it on the unit that I never get to shoot, so whatever. Um, correct. Yeah, that kind of stuff feels bad. All right, what's the last one? The last one is Gaze of the Gods. This Warlord trait has... Uh, the Warlord has a four-up invulnerable save. Each time the Warlord makes an attack, it's considered to be in Slaughter, Destruction, and Massacre. Cool. Bad. No. Most warlords already have a four-up invulnerable save, and if they don't, you're probably like it's something like a dark apostle or something like that that you're really protecting is yeah. inside a unit anyway. Well, it, this and, could just read four plus invulnerable save and they have exploding sixes. Like you did, don't need to go through all the paragraph of it has slaughter instruction. It's just everything explodes it has exploding sixes as a four plus invuln. But what you yeah, like? Correct. I mean, a disco doesn't start with an invuln yeah, but just about everything else does. A disco has got a five-up invuln because that's it's right. A engine. Yep. Um, but the disco's got the two-up save and armor of contempt, which often means you're at more or less yeah. four-up. So where's this, yeah, where's this mythical rend for combat, yeah. whatever it is? Um, not fair enough. Um, none of those seem amazing to me. Yeah, none of them are auto takes for me. Yeah, there's there's a few of them where it's like if you if you are building one character in your army to be a beat stick, which I still think people should do. You should have one character that goes in and blends. Yep. Um, there's a few in there that are good. If if you if you're running a list where you're like, cool, I want a sorcerer, I want an apostle they're my two hqs and i'm not gonna have i'm gonna do damage with units instead of with characters well then you yep. just don't take a wall or trait yeah not nah, fair um all right so jumping down to the chapter approved rules now are these different or the same as the ones in the nephilim packet uh to be honest i haven't confirmed but i believe they are the same i haven't i haven't i haven't had both books open next to each other and, and check for you know you would kind of assume they're the same, but for yeah, the yeah, I believe they are. For the sake of it, we which which ones do you reckon we read? Because I've got Nephilim open. Do you think we read the Nephilim ones okay. or do we read these ones? Probably the Nephilim ones would be the safer bet because that's, that's the mission thought. pack that we're using. Yep. All right. Purge the enemy. This is rise to glory. In fact, do you want to read? Do, do, I'll, read I'll, I'll read the I'll read the Codex ones. Read along. alongside you reading yeah. out loud. Tell me if it's and different. I'll I'll confirm if it's the same. Love your work, mate. Uh, so this is rise to glory in the purge the enemy category. At the end of the battle round, score two victory points.
points for each character, monster, or vehicle model destroyed that battle round uh, by a melee attack made by a Traitor Sestatis character model from your army. If such a model destroyed model had a wound characteristic of 10 to 19, score one additional victory point uh, for destroying that model, or two additional victory points for destroying a model that had a wound characteristic of 20 or more, or was the enemy's warlord. You can score a maximum of five victory points per battle round from this secondary. Each time a character monster or vehicle model is destroyed by a melee attack made by a traitor's status character model from your army, roll 2d6. If the result is less than the wounds characteristic of the destroyed model, you gain one command point at the end of the phase. All right, I can confirm that that is the same as in the codex. Beautiful. Is it any good? Uh, it's It really depends on your build. So this is one of those secondaries that you really have to build for. You have to make sure you've, t- you've tooled your list up specifically to achieve it. And to do that, you need to make sure you're bringing at least like three really good beat stick characters. Yeah. Which means you're, ble- you're bleeding all your CP pregame to buff up some characters to the wazoo uh, so that they can go in and kill things. Mm-hmm. But I still think a, a smart opponent's going to play around it, you know, because you only get the points for killing characters, monsters, or vehicles. So they're just going to tie up your characters with their units of infantry and stuff. Yep. And your characters are going to, because, you know, unless you have fallback and charge or anything like that, which is like Night Lords only, I think, you your opponent's just not going to let you have it. Is this uh, better or worse uh, than Bring It Down when you're versing things like Knights? Worse, because well, the thing about Bring It Down is you can kill those vehicles with anything. Yeah. Whereas with this, you have to kill them with a carrot. That's the problem with this. If this was, if they, they remove the limit of only being able to do it with your characters, then it'd be insane. Yes. But the fact that you have to do the kills with your characters, because then the problem is, is now you're going, okay, well, that means you have to build a ton of aggressive characters into your list. So sure, you might get this, but you're giving your opponent a really easy assassinate as well. Correct, because you know you have to use them, so you can use this one against them. Yeah. Um, because if you if you only have three characters in your army, you're not going to be scoring very high on this. Well, you know, at best they kill one a turn, right? At best, yeah. each one of them kills one a turn, which is going to happen very rarely. Is each one of your characters yeah. going to kill a vehicle, a monster, a character in a turn? Like, so and it's, you're all melee based, so like people just run away. You know, just, yeah, yeah, cool. And uh, it's also, it's also one of those ones where it's like, yeah, all all your opponent has to do is just tag your characters with just stuff and then you you just neutered so just, i think it's bad i think it's bad unfortunately well. all right long war is up next it's in no mercy no respite at the end of your turn score one fifty point for each enemy unit that was destroyed by a traitorous astartes unit from your army this turn and what was was within engagement range as an objective marker at the start of this turn Score two victory points if you control any objective markers that were controlled by your opponent at the start of this turn, and a trade society's unit from your armies within range of those objective markers. You can score a maximum of three victory points per turn from this objective, secondary objective. So this one is one of, it's my favorite of the CSM ones. Yep. Um, I pretty much took it in every single game that I played with CSM up until this point, and I plan to continue to take it. Yep. You will often only score nine to 12 nine, points out yeah. of it, though. Yep. Like... You can, you can bank 9 and aim for 12. It's very hard to get 15 because if you're versing a savvy opponent, what they do is they deploy nothing on the objectives because mm-hmm. you get no advantage of being deployed on an objective, exactly. right? Yep. Because you don't score it until, the end, until your second command phase. So you wait until your turn 1 and then you move on to the objectives, which means that if you go first against someone and they haven't deployed on any objectives, you cannot score this 15. in the yeah. first, first turn, yep. which means you're capped at 12. 
very well said as well because the savvier the opponent the, the less good this is but it's still it's one of those um the ceiling is low but the sorry the ceiling is low but the floor is high um kind yeah. of ones because like if you yeah. if you get a zero on this it's usually because you steamrolled your opponent um yeah it's because you've won the primary <clears throat> correct so often I, I was and this is the the way i was running the emperor's children before i was like i was not getting 100 point games but yep. i was winning games yeah because this this is one of the ones that, that, that caps you at relatively low but if you're doing this it means that every turn you're killing something off of an objective and then taking that objective which is what you want to be doing in the game anyway yes so it's one of those ones where you score the points without having to think about it you're like cool i'll just play the game and oh look at that i got 12 points yeah Yep, spot on. And you love having one of those. You love having one of those yep. in your in your three pack. Um, and that yep. one hasn't changed. That's the same as it is in the Chaos Day Spring book. Correct. Beautiful. All right. Shadow Operations for the Dark Gods. This is a freaking paragraph and a half, guys. Um, if you select this objective, keep a for the Dark Gods tally. Gosh, don't we just love extra bookwork? Add one to the tally each time a, a unit from your army dedicates a table quarter to a Chaos God by performing the following action. For the Dark Gods action. One Traitor Sostardi's infantry or biker unit from your army can start to perform this action at the end of your movement phase. If it is wholly within a table quarter that has not been dedicated to a Chaos God by your army and is within three of this and is within three of the center of that table quarter. If the unit performing this action had the objective secured ability when it started performing this action, the action is completed at the end of your turn. Otherwise, the action is completed at the start of your next command phase. In any case, the action being completed, uh, sorry, the action is only completed if the unit performing it is still within three of the center of the table quarter. Um, if completed, select either Corn, Zinch, Nurgle, or Slanesh to dedicate the table quarter to. If this action is completed by a Corn, Zinch, Nurgle, or Slanesh unit, that unit can only dedicate the table quarter to their respective deity. The table quarter is said to have been dedicated to that Chaos God by your army. The same table quarter cannot be dedicated to more than one Chaos God. If a table quarter has been dedicated to a Chaos God by your army, then while a Traitor's Astartes unit from your army is wholly within that table quarter, add to the leadership characteristic of that army, unless that Chaos God is not their patron deity. If the table quarter is dedicated to Corn, then Slanesh, Nurgle, and Slanesh should not receive this bonus. At the end of the battle, score two victory points if your for the god tally is one score five if it is two score nine if it is three and score 14 if it is four holy crap there are so many unnecessary words there this is r&d with some ifs and buts and t's and c's is essentially my tldr sorry i missed that could you read that out again no no i cannot (laughs) (laughs) um yes so so many so many words uh, yeah, but basically it's R&D with extra restrictions, but extra benefits and a slightly higher score. Yeah. So you've got to be within three inches of the center of the table quarter, which is bad. Um, you only finish it in the same turn if you're obsec. Yep. So that's bad. Uh, but you don't have the restriction of having to roll lower than the unit. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole dedicating to God's thing is just don't do it. It's just so don't. dumb. It's dumb. Like, and uh, I mean, it, I, I'm going to be likely running mono armies anyway because I think um, Empress Children's one of the best ones. And even if you're running something like Creations of Bile, you, you're mostly going to be running all of your units the same. God. Mark, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's the same, it's same deity. So I think you're more or less just going to tell your opponent at the start of the game every time I dedicate a corner, it's going to be dedicated to Slanesh. Yeah, and every time I do it, I get plus two to leadership. Exactly right. Yeah, or or corn or zinch or whichever one you're rolling with. Yeah, correct. Um, yeah, yeah. So this yeah. does have. So when you're when you're taking, you have to just like 
no good choices for secondaries and you, you're expecting to be losing, this is one point better than R&D. Um, yeah. at, at, at every level, this is one point better, except because if you're thinking you're going to be losing, getting four quarters done on R&D is not going to happen anyway. So if you're going for two, this is one point better because instead of getting four for two, you get five for two. And then if you get the yeah. three, you get nine for three rather than eight for three. Um, so I think if you are doing it that way, this makes a lot of sense for a, a decent, well, a pretty okay third pick for you know, I, I, if I get five points on it, I'm happy being. Um, how do you feel about it? Is this something you're ever going to take? I think once again, this is going to be one that you'd have to build into your army because like CSM units are all quite expensive, right? Yep. And obsec is not very commonplace. So if you want to do this, you need to be bringing lots of obsec units. Yep. And you need an, a way to get them around the table. Whereas if you take like R and D, then you can. Like you can deep strike some raptors in their backfield, or you can, yeah. you know, there's yeah. other things that you can do. Whereas you can't really do that with this. Mm-hmm. And also, needing to get within three inches of the center of the quarter is real hard. Is a bit, is, is a bit it, painful. It, 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 so it, I think well, I think this is this is one that you're only going to take. I think you can you can reliably get two for five points. Mm-hmm. So you can lock that in. If you play hard for it, you can probably get the three. Yep. But it's going to be hard. Like I mean, but. To- the th- within th- within three of the middle is the one that kills it for me. Um, if it was within six of the middle, that's a little bit easier. But within three of the middle, like your opponent is just looks at their table, looks at you, and you're like, you're not getting, you're not doing that. <laughs> like that's that's really easy yeah. for me to stop. I will. Just- I mean, it is it is worth noting that you don't you don't have to be wholly within three, right? You only have yeah. to be within three. Yeah. So it's only one one model has to get within that three inch, which is a six essentially a six inch, mm. you know, diameter. Um, not diameter, yeah, no diameter. Um, but it's also worth noting that with R and D, you can't do it if you're within six inches of another table quarter, right? So you're Correct. already that. That's actually a, a decent chunk of the table eliminated for R and D. Yeah, this isn't as much worse as you might think, but I think m- more often than not, you're better off with R and D. I think so too, and I think building for this is harder to build for than R and D. I mean, so do you have something where you can just be like you command phase, have obsec, and and just send out like a unit of bikes to do this iron warriors do that's cool well there's an option like a unit of three bikes just like turn one going and doing one of the harder to do like if you're playing table quarters you know and there's that bottom your your opponent's in the top right and you know sending out a unit of bikes to do the one in the bottom right i'm not sure if they can reach turn one though um because it's the center i know they can i know a unit of bikes on the line can get Actually, no, they should they should be able to reach they should be able to reach yeah they should be able to well it's at the end of the movement phase you can advance but you 20 can't, inches out. You can't advance and do action. Oh, you can't advance and action. Yeah. That's right. My bad. Yeah. So they'd be um, moving 14, and that 14 would have to get them in the middle. I think that does, though. I think that, that would get them within three. Um, please correct me if I'm wrong. It, it might be a couple of inches here or there. But that would be... It would probably depend on the um, depend on the deployment type. Yeah. Um, all right. Jumping down to the data sheet abilities, we have some of the ubiquitous stuff here. Um, this, it, are you able to give us a TLDR on how World Eaters, Thousand Sons, Death Guard, Empress Children, what that caveat is? Like you can't select uh, those keywords. Yeah, essentially, uh, if you if you select World Eaters, everything has to have Mark of Corn. If you select um, Empress Children, everything has to have Mark of Slash. Yep. The interesting thing worth noting on both of those is that everything that has the chaos undivided keyword gets it replaced with corn or slanesh yeah. um, respectively, which means that you can actually get slanesh possessed. Ooh. Whereas, cause you can't give the possessed a mark cause they're not yep. core, yep. but you can get 
the keyword Slanesh on them. Okay. Which then means you can put delightful agonies on them because they have the Slanesh keyword. Ooh. That's a spicy um, and, little and loophole. With corn, nice. it, it un- un- unlocks access to the corn stratagems, which is, you know, things like denying the witch from yeah. them for four plus, and the other one is sixes to hit auto wound. So that that's one way that you can get um yeah, your Chaos Gods keywords on things. Mm. All right, and then we have the Demon Engines. <laughs> Just stating here that Demon Engines all have a 5-plus invulnerable save, and they regain one lost wound uh, in, in your command phases. Malicious Volleys, um, just it's all the... It's Bolter Discipline, essentially, yeah? Rapid yeah. Fire Weapons um, that, you know, Rapid Fire Bolt Weapons make double number of attacks if the following apply. If they're within half range, of course. If they are infantry and main stationary, or if they're Terminators or Bikers. And then Warp Strike is just Deep Strike, yeah? Yeah. Um, beautiful. All right, so moving down... To the spicy stuff, we have the Let the Galaxy Burn. Give us the lowdown. Uh, so, uh, do you want me to read it out or just TLDR it? Um, I think we should... Re- yeah, we should definitely read out the we'll flamest. We'll read it. We'll read yeah, it. Okay, yeah. cool. All right, so if every unit from your army has the traitorous Astartes keyword, excluding models with the Agent of Chaos or Unaligned keyword, and every Legion unit for, uh, from your army, excluding Abaddon, is from the same Legion, you gain the following rules. Each time a unit shoots with a flame weapon, when determining how many attacks are made with that weapon this phase, add two to the result, uh, e.g. shooting a flame is D6 plus two, and this unit gains a bonus, see right, depending on which act it is engaged in, as follows. So during the first battle round, you have to be in destruction. Mm-hmm. During the second battle round, uh, oh, sorry, my screen just moved. During the second battle round, uh, you're in massacre. At the start of the third battle round, you select either Massacre or Slaughter, and then during the fourth and subsequent battle rounds, you're in Slaughter. Yep. And uh, Destruction gives you exploding sixes to hit on an unmodified six um, each time you make an attack with a heavy rapid fire or grenade weapon. Yep. So that's what you get turn one. Massacre, you get uh, same thing, but on rapid fire, pistol, or assault weapons. Mm-hmm. And slaughter is assault, pistol, or melee weapons. I so this this is your monofaction bonus, yeah. When you are entirely yeah. uh, chaos Correct. space range, you get this uh, akin yeah. to you know, everyone's got it. The closer comparison, of course, which is always going to come up, is doctrines. These are essentially a, a melee only ish version, well, melee centric version, because well, the, the 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 melee one is just so much better here than like the tactical yeah. doctrine is for space marines. Essentially, how people are seeing this. Uh, but how do you actually feel? about this because you are somebody so for those who don't know we said at the start dean's number one chaos space ring player in the world right now and he did that before this book he did that with the old book and technically speaking a death to the false emperor or death to the false everybody was better than this oh infinitely better infinitely better so basically the the main thing that i think wrecks this is that it's an unmodified hit roll yeah so death to the false emperor if if, if they just change death to the false emperor to be unmodified well now you would have either army-wide exploding sixes in combat or this and what this is is army-wide exploding sixes in various different ways so you can get it in shooting with your heavy weapons and your rapid yeah. fire weapons yep. which is really good and then later in the game, you can get it in combat. So, And there's ways, obviously, with warlord traits and stratagems and things like that to manipulate that. So if 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 you compare the unmodified this to the unmodified Death to the False Emperor, yep. then this is better. Yeah. But the fact that the, the Death to the False Everything could be modified, that's what made it good. So the reason I think this is fundamentally worse and even if we were just to compare where we're not quite comparing apples and oranges even though i hate that term because they're different species uh they're both fruit though but uh 
the reason I think this is better is because of turn two and just breaking down into the fundamentals of how a game is played. So much of the time, especially when I was playing against you, mate, you were in combat turn two. Almost every freaking yeah. game, you're in combat turn two. Yeah. Where Death to the False Everybody did a hell of a lot of work for you. You do not have an option here on this tree right now without any shenanigans or <coughs> CPs or whatever being spent, without uh, putting additional resources to have an active exploding sixes on turn two. Um, Correct. And that's where I see the difference. That's the fundamental well, what, what I was doing, change. What I was doing was I was having a unit of chosen in a drop pod. Yep. which would ch- turn one, I'd be charging the fat. Exactly. Then turn two, it would be Terminators. Then turn three, it was... So I was in combat literally one, every two. turn of the game. Yep. Every turn of the game, exactly I was in right. combat. Exactly right. And now With turn- exploding fours, now I'm getting exploding sixes and only in the third turn. Only in the third such turn. such a nerf. It is, it, is, it is a nerf when you put it like that. But hey, your shooting got better, but I didn't give you any good shooting. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's not nothing. This is not nothing. Uh, nothing changed. This is pretty good. It's pretty good. It's just that what you had before was literally the thing that made your book exceptional at a thing. That was the exceptional yeah. piece of your last book. That and the double shoot was the two exceptional pieces of what you used to play from from me being the opponent. Those are the two things that are going to yeah, ruin yeah. me. Um, here now you have a bunch of other stuff, but the power isn't coming from this. But how how much do you invest in this as a Chaos Space Marine player and how much do you value it? Or do you just be like, eh, yeah. I just go about my business if it helps, yeah, it helps. I, I think, I think you've got, you've realistically, you've got two options. You either uh, completely ignore it yep. and just go, cool, I'm just going to write a savage combat army. I'm going to pick a unit a turn to use a stratagem on or whatever if it's necessary. Yep. Uh, and I'm just going to run at you and I'm just going to kill you. And this is just an added bonus from turn three onwards, right? Yep. That's one option. And the other option is you seriously build for this. Mm. So, well, like, for example, what, you could run an Emperor's Children list and you could go, cool, I'm going to run, like, four or five units of Noise Marines with a Blastmaster in every unit, which is a yep. heavy weapon. Yep. So now turn, turn one, they move up. They don't suffer the penalties for moving and shooting with heavy weapons. They do this. They get exploding sixes. That's good value. Then turn two, they move in and they've got their assault weapons, which are the um, the other profile of the Blastmaster and yep. all the Sonic Blasters. They go in and they do their damage, and now they're getting exploding sixes in that phase. Yep. And then in the third phase, they go into combat and they get the units. So if you, if you build into it with specific units in your army, so that you are getting value out of it every turn, mm-hmm. then it's pretty. It's actually pretty good. Yeah. But uh, I'd 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 still trade it for an extra AP every day. I'd rather the space marine. The space marine. Well, there's actually some things some things that are foreshadowed here that I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see the space marines get. Um, space marines only have heavy weapons that get bonuses in turn one. Um, these you guys yeah. get heavy weapons and rapid fire weapons. And, uh, sorry, we get heavy and grenade rather. Um, you guys get rapid fire yeah. weapons in that in that pile as well. Wouldn't be surprised if G Dub have realised the rapid fire weapons just don't have enough oomph, and it's like, oh well, we'll give them turn one bonuses as well, and we see that adopted for the next Space Marine decks. Um, and then it's carried through, of course, Rapid Fire. So the first three turns of the game for Space Marines or for Chaos Space Marines right now, Rapid Fire weapons operate with their their faction bonus. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see that. And then, of course, Assault and Pistol also getting bonuses in the Slaughter, so it'd be in the Assault Doctrine. Yeah. Um, I think it's actually a pretty good change as well for a bit of quality of life for some... Because there are a bunch of different profiles for Space Marines that are just trashed here, nothings, um, unless you have plus one on your, you know... Like heavy assault, heavy heavy assault, uh, so heavy bolt pistols on my blade guard. When they're in, when they're in AP two shooting into combat, I've shot myself out of combat and made another charge because they've yeah. been AP two pistols instead of AP one. That kind of stuff. Um, but I that think, is, um, yeah, I think I think what you're saying there with the, the the rapid fire being part of the destruction and stuff. I think that's more of a reflection of the weapons within this book yeah. because there's not very many heavy weapons. 
Oh, so true. Okay. I think they were like, yep. oh, if we have it as just destruction, it's like, okay, these so these things. like these two or three units <laughs> yeah. get access to it. And somebody, somebody at GW was like, guys, you're being stupid. <laughs> like, yeah. We need to make this valuable. Like, let's make it so that rapid fire goes in there as well. Yeah. That's, That's what fair. I think it was. Well, I, if, I don't necessarily think it's like, I, w- I would be surprised. I actually would be surprised if Space Marines got the same treatment. Fair. Dude, totally fair. And now that you've pointed that out, that does make a lot of sense. It makes a real big lot of sense. Um, but that is it for the rules um, of this review. We're going to jump in and talk about some data sheets. Now, I've left it up to Dean to pick the first couple, whichever one, the ones that he thinks we need to talk about, he thinks you guys need to know about because you're probably going to see them or need to be fearful of them. So what's the first data sheet you want to speak to, mate? Uh, the first one is definitely the Terminators. So the data sheet for the Terminators itself looks somewhat unimpressive. Um, yep. But when you when you factor in the different buffs that people can put on them, this is something that every Chaos Space Marine player is going to want to know because they're going to want to know how to do it. Yeah. And everybody who's going to a big tournament needs to make sure that they've got things in their list that can deal with that Terminator yep. unit. Yep. So, yeah, the, the CSM Terminators are pretty crazy. So how many points is, uh, does one of them run you? So it's 330 with no upgrades. So 33 a pop. Because uh, it's 33 a pop. Yeah, and that comes with However, a combi bolter and they're a cursed weapon. Uh, tell us about this weapon chain, because this this has people a bit down, but I think it's I, th- I think it's okay. I think it's fine. It, it's it's not as good as a lightning claw. So basically, it's now um, plus one strength, so they're hitting at strength five. It's AP three, and you make one additional attack with the weapon at damage one. So if you compare that to the old lightning claw, it's yep. an extra strength and an extra AP, but it doesn't get reroll wounds. Because the lightning claw gave you plus a plus one attack as well, right? So Correct. Yeah. That's, that's a null. Um, so yeah, losing reroll wounds is is pretty rough. Yeah. That being said, plus one uh, strength is good, mm-hmm. and the AP three is really good, especially in the armor of contempt era yes. that we're in now. That extra AP like is often going to mean it's actually often going to take value. Whereas previously yeah. it was like before I'm of contempt, the difference between AP three and AP two was relatively negligible because you were often pushing people to their invulnerable saves anyway. Yep. Um, one thing of note as well, it looks like they've had their, um, their, uh, shock assault charge, their plus one attack from shock assault. Like, like a lot of other armies has been just rolled into their profile now. So they've just always yep. got th- three attacks. Um, uh, so, th- so they'll have four each, um, in, in combat with their accursed weapons. Dude, so it's, just, it's what forty-one attacks at strength five minus three one damage. That's not crap. Yeah. That's not that's not bad. Especially because you can gain access to things like the reroll wounds from wall of traits, or yeah, you, know, you can gain access to various buffs on them. So yeah, and I think they're they're good. Uh, yeah, they're good because well, like, like you said before, they're your your blank slate of you know how. I think I think I used to say you can just strap the jetpack to and fly them to the moon, like buffs wise. They can they are yeah. a a perfect launch pad for a Death Star, essentially. Yeah, correct. Yeah, it's it's the death the CSM codex I think is a Death Star codex. Hmm. Well, it's, de- it's well, basically you, you take a bunch of really really powerful characters and then you wrap them in a unit of Terminators and then you yep. make that unit of Terminators unkillable and you just move into the center of the table. And love, now your love, opponent is in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what special weapons can you give these guys? Uh, like, are there any ranged weapons worth talking about? Any melee weapons yeah, worth yeah, considering? Um, so the the loadouts is quite um, wordy and quite uh, difficult to navigate. But basically, you can give them. The my preferred loadout is you give them four combi flamers and two heavy flamers in a unit yep. of ten. Yep. Um, so you've got 
six flamers in there, and with that, let the galaxy burn, that's going to be 6d6 plus 12 hits. It's a lot. Which is a lot. And it also means, like, when it comes to overwatching and things like that, you've got a bit of value there as well. Mm. Uh, it's, so that's yeah. my preferred loadout. I like that quite a lot. All right, one of the data sheets I wanted to mention, just because I think it's a, it's, it's a little bit of a sleeper utility, utility tool, and I think we're going to see it a lot more, or, well, we're definitely going to see it a lot more than the zero times we saw it previously, is the Venom Crawler. Um, they come in as, as, I think we checked pregame, was it 100, 100 points or was it 105 or something? 105. Yeah, so this guy is movement 12, web skill seal 3 plus, strength and toughness 7, which is nice, uh, with 9 wounds and a 3 plus save, 6 attacks. So 9 wounds is nice, it doesn't degrade. It's got um, 2 excruciator cannons, which are range 36, uh, 3 shots, well, they're assault 3 and it moves 12, so you, you can, you know, advance pretty far, possibly 18 inches and still shoot. At uh, strength 6, minus 2, 2 damage, which isn't that flash in armor contempt world, but I still think it's a pretty respectable profile. And then in combat, like I said, 6 attacks at strength 7, minus 3, 2 damage. Where it gets a little bit spicier is that it gives um, an aura of plus 1 to cast for um, for psychic tests, taken um, within 9. Um, and so you, you need to shiv your own guys less, is the way I look at that. Um, <laughs> you could just choose to, to well, not... Yes. There's a few interesting things about this rule. So one of them is it says while a friendly psycho is within nine inches of this model, right? Mm-hmm. Not not whilst within range of a venom crawler. It's within this model. So if you take two or even three venom crawlers, you're going to get plus yeah. three to your exactly. casts, right? Exactly. And then if you shiv someone, you're getting plus another two, so mm-hmm. you're getting plus five, mm-hmm. which means all of those powers that you needed to get off on a ten plus, you can have plus to get five extra damage. You're going in with plus five. Yeah. So as long as you roll a five on those D, those two d six for the cast, you're going to be getting that ten plus, uh, which would... means now the the possession where you need to mm-hmm. to roll higher than their toughness. Well, if you get plus one, if you cast that on a ten plus, you get that on a plus one against their toughness. I was legit... you're now going to be assassinating good stuff. I was legit building to that that they. I think there might be an FAQ change, but as it sits right now, three venom claws is plus three to cast. It's crazy. Cash in while you can, but even when you can't, I think this for 105 points, it's 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 a very respectable uh, little harassment unit because you just chuck it on a flank, and it's just such an annoying bastard to deal with. I I thought I wanted to talk about the Molafine for the exact same reasons, but the Molafine's 50 more points. It's 50 more points. It doesn't shoot, and between the shooting and the combat, this thing does almost as much as the Molafine for. 50 less points for people 50 points so yeah and of course it, it, it has a little buff in addition what's another data sheet you want to talk about uh so there's your standard ones that everyone's probably heard about a million times like possessed they're very very good i think you'll see possessed in every list the uh lord discordant is very 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 good as well he's probably one of the auto include characters just because he's so tough and chunky when yeah. you start putting relics and stuff on him you can get him really really good i actually did a video on my channel talking about four different lord discordant builds builds yeah um so aggressive ones and defensive ones because you can what you can do with the lord discordant is you can bait your opponent into picking assassinate by going cool i'm going to take mm-hmm. lord discordant i'm going to take abaddon i'm going to take two more characters because you can take abaddon in a supreme command which costs you no cp yep so you can get four characters without having to spend any CP on detachments. Mm-hmm. Then if you take like a couple master executions as well, your opponent's going to look at it and they're going to go, wow, he's got like six characters. I'm going to pick assassinate. Then you put your master of executions in a rhino and run away with them and just never, <laughs> and just never let your opponent kill him. Uh, I love and that. Then, and then you've got Abaddon, you've got a couple of Lord Discordants, and you've got like a tough Terminator character or something that are always really chunky, hard to kill units. 
and your opponents just picked assassinate, and they're not going to get many, very many points. They're not going to get much at all. Um, and then that does allow you to open up that CSM secondary, where it's kill things with characters to get yeah, points. Yeah. So that's a that can that can work. I'm yet to actually test that out in the field, but um, I think that's an interesting direction to take the CSM. Yeah, I think so too. I think that's really really quite spicy. Uh, one more I want to talk about before uh, we get into the last kind of data sheets. Accursed cultists. Are these guys just awesome? Or, or is it like, I, I'm not hearing much about them, but I look at their profiles, I look at their things, and I reckon they're sick. I reckon they're, they're they pretty are, cool. They are an amazing unit except for the simple rule that they can't do actions. That's true. That's true. So and, this, and the yep. main reason that most people bring cultists in their list is backfield screening and doing actions. No, nah, this is a doer. These guys are just, they're just go-getters. They're out there to do these, stuff. Yeah, these guys are more of a, a harassment unit, in my opinion. Like, they're obsec, so they're good for going in and just denying your opponent objectives. And the toughness four is really good, and this, they've got the six-up feel no pain. Yeah. Up to shrug off wounds, that's really good as well. And they only cost one point more than a cultist. Exactly right. Like the, the, the mutants. Mm. And the torments, they're pretty cheap and, and good as well. Well, so for those who don't know, this is a unit of possessed cultists, essentially. And you got half of them that are, that are essentially possessed cultists, as in they're like two cultists slapped together, almost. And then you have the torment, which essentially is like a baby chaos spawn. That's in the unit. You can have up to... If you have a max unit of mutants... So if you have five mutants, you can have up to three torments in the unit. If you have ten mutants, you can have up to six torments in the unit. Um, and the torments, of course, are the, the spawn equivalents, which essentially I look at the mutants as just a, a blade of wounds from the torments because they actually slap. In combat, the torments have 2d3 attacks each at strength 5, minus 2, 2 damage. Uh, so they could just, like... They, they get, like, three attacks apiece. You have six of them. There's 18 attacks at that profile. is actually very respectable. Um, and they they regen their own units. They can't perform actions and can't be in a transport. But at the start of your command phase, you can select one of the following. Return three mutants to the unit or return one torment to the unit. They also give minus one leadership. They have a six up feel no pain. And they ignore the destruction of, mut of mutant models for the purposes of morale tests. So I think they've got a lot going for them. But you're right. They can't be in transport, so you can't sling them up the table quickly, and they can't do actions, so they need to be, like, flipping objectives for you, essentially. Yeah, and it's also worth noting they are weapon skill 4+. plus. So, mm -hmm. they're like, yeah, they get quite a few attacks, and they're of, of respectable quality, yeah. but you, you, if, you, if your opponent has a way of making you neg one to hit, which it's so real bad. people do these days, bad. all of a sudden that unit's going in and they're killing just nothing. Like Straight up nothing. I still think, yeah, it, so, I think the models are sick, and I would like some. Thank you. <laughs> I, think, I think they do have a place in certain lists, and there's a few different like relics and stratagems and stuff you can use on them to, to do various things. But I personally would – I every time I write them into my lists, I end up just replacing them with standard cultists. That's fair. That's totally fair. Because I'm like, well, I want, a, I want something that can be backfield raising a banner, and I want something that can you know hmm. move up and then do the – because these guys are obsec, they can do the dedicated quarter to a Chaos God if you want to run that secondary. That's like, cool. Yeah, I think being able to do act, not being able to do actions is yuck. Uh, it, it is quite yucky for for anything that has the cultist word in it. All right. Yeah. What's the next one you want to talk about, mate? Uh, I guess the noise marines is an interesting one. So I've been working on because the, the way I see this codex, one of the biggest problems with it is the secondaries. But the emperor's children. Uh, if you run them and you take the noise marines as troops, you actually have lots of obsec that's of quality. So that actually makes a lot of the secondaries a lot easier. Yep. 
And the noise marines in an Empress Children list are only five points more expensive than the Legionnaires. Mm. And they're just so much better. They have such better weapon options. Um, and the Blastmaster itself is so good. It's really, so, it's really pushed. That weapon profile yeah. is. What's so? Tell the people what the profile is. So it's got two profiles. So one of them is called single frequency, which is forty-eight inch range, heavy three, strength eight, AP three, three damage. Amazing. And and the second is varied frequency, which is thirty-six inches range, and it's assault six, strength five. AP2, one damage, and they both have the sonic weapon rule, which is basically if they're targeting something within half range, you add one to the damage characteristic. Mm-hmm. So that heavy profile is hitting you with strength 8, AP3, four damage. At 18 which is inches, so yeah. good. At 24 inches. Oh, and then the, said, oh sorry, it's the, the, the other one's 36. The, yeah. The, yeah, the assault, the assault profile is hitting you with strength, fi- uh, strength 5, AP2, two damage. Um, really good. So I've been running, like, I've been writing list with this MSU, so it's a bunch of units of five noise marines and a blastmaster in every unit, and then you're just putting out that's actually a, quite a lot of shooting damage. Could you imagine if they let have it like Empress Children Havocs take <laughs> four blast five blastmasters? Oh, oh, that man. would be insane. Oh dude, that'd be so cranked. Yeah. Um last- so I think I think the noise marines have gone from they used to be like run a really big unit yes. because you had to use strategies on yep. them to buff them up and get them really powerful. Whereas now it's flipped because all of those abilities are sort of baked into their profiles. You want to run small units. Well, I have not been running the Sonic Blasters though. I don't think they're worth it. Why do you say um, that? So, because they, they they make it makes the unit even if it's a unit of five, it makes them really expensive. Yep. So, uh, and the main thing that I think you've got them there for is the Blastmaster. So I've been running just cheap units with a Blastmaster in it, and the idea is is that unit just like you start them in a Rhino, which means they're able to to disembark their nine inches to get angles on things where they need to shoot, yep. and then you're just blasting people with that Blastmaster from long range. Mm-hmm. Whilst your terminators and your possessed go in and do the the heavy lifting, yeah, and then and then the next turn you're you're going and doing actions with them and stuff like that. Whereas if you're spending points on the sonic blasters, well now if you're doing an action, you don't get to shoot. Like yep. yeah, I don't know. No, I get you. I get you. That's uh, just, that's just my thoughts. All right, last one I want to talk about, and then you can do the la- second last pick or the last pick. Uh, we're talking about Abaddon. Because uh, he is absolutely freaking cranked. Possibly, uh, I have a discussion on my podcast every now and then about what is the best single model in the game. And we used to joke that it's so crazy that Baharoth is the best single model in the game when Trajan exists in the game at like 160 points or whatever he was before. Like, it's crazy that Baharoth could be better. There could be something better than 160 point Trajan. And right now, I think Abaddon's the best single model in the game. He's He's not in the best faction in the game. Which we're going to talk to in a moment. We're going to talk about where does um, CSM rate in, you know, whether we think they sit in the competitive lexicon or, you know, meta right now. Um, Abaddon is so insanely good. He's 300 points square, right? Yep. Yep. He comes with every mark, which means he's plus one strength. He's the first time he takes damage, it gets zeroed. Um, he has the, mar- the stupid mark of Nurgle wording with the minus one to wound and crap and the strength and types of stuff. Uh, fights first with uh, Marcus Sunesh, has a 4-plus invulnerable save. Is This is the one that breaks my brain. And please, G-Dub, uh, this is, if you're ever going to take a wound away, from, uh, take a, a special rule away from Abby, this is the one you need to get rid of. He should not be wound-gated. The fact that you have a, a unit that is this good, can be bodyguarded, and is wound-gated is just a problem mechanically in the game. Um, 
so freaking crazy. In addition, he's he's the war master can go into any build without breaking your build or your um your faction detachment stuff. Uh, he gives plus one to charge and roll ones to all chaos core units within six. Um, which is crazy because guess what? That works on you know in a T Suns army that works. That works in Renegade Knights. That works. That gives that real ones and plus one to charge to freaking war dogs like and stuff like that. So he just becomes a incredible pick for everything. And then of course he gives you know one unit full rerolls to hit. And then if they're Black Legion, Legion they get the more than vile treatment, and get full rerolls to wound as well. And he's cool. He's good in combat. I'm just going to tell you he's good in combat. You can just take my word for it. <laughs> he's good. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think I think he's he's obviously he's insanely good, right? So yeah. I'm, I'm going to shit on him a little bit here, and there's my strategic. There's your player. word of power, beautiful, <laughs> oh, Dean. Get in there. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree to an extent that he's that good, uh, okay. and that's because the thing that I think people are overlooking is he's just a character with a six inch move, right? Yep. So what your opponent will almost always do is just go, cool. He's got a six inch move and a twelve inch charge, so he's got an eighteen inch threat range. He gets, so he's not coarse, so he doesn't get his plus one to charge rolls on himself. Yep. Uh, so he's got an 18-inch threat range. People just sit outside that. It's so easy to sit outside of 18 inches. Yep. That, and then he moves forward, and then they move back, and they just do that a couple turns until they've plinked off a few wounds off him, and then they charge and finish him off. But, I mean, he's sitting, so, behind, he's sitting behind your Terminators, right? So if the plinking wounds off him, your Terminators are dead and the game's lost? Yeah, I mean, correct. Um, the other thing worth noting is his base is massive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if your plan is to wrap him with Terminators, you're, you're not going to be able to like heroically intervene with him or anything yeah. like that because he's not going to fit through. Whereas like a smaller character like Lucius the Eternal, he actually provides way more utility in that Death Star than Abaddon because he can he can heroically intervene through the gaps between the Terminators. Yep, and he can tell your opponent to fight last. Whereas Abaddon, like, yes, he's a really hard to kill unit. Sinking three hundred points into something that your opponent can kind of ignore, mm-hmm. like they can just avoid. He's not as much of an auto include as people think. I think he is very, very good. I'm not saying that he's bad. He's an insane. But you can, if if you're a competent player, you can play around him and mitigate his damage to the point where he's like, sure, he's going to live the whole game. But turns like one, two, and three, he's probably not getting into combat. True. That's true. You know, yep. Maybe maybe turn three. So you have to deal with him punching you twice. That's not the end of the world. <laughs> well, Who so cares? We, you, don't you, put any shots into him. He'll punch yeah. you twice. So what's the mission that you... So you and I played a game, yeah? And you used, you used Abby, you used um, a Corn Lord of Skulls, Skulls, and you had the Terminators. Yep. And we were in combat turn two. He was in combat turn two. Because what was that, that was a Dawn of War mission. That's the one that has what I call the corridor. Like, you, you're, you, you have a... Objective in your deployment zone, and then there's a one objective directly aside, one directly adjacent to that, and then one across from you in your opponent's deployment zone. So there's like this corridor of four objectives that everyone just ends up playing in. In that one, he yeah. seems like a superstar, and, and in a couple of other ones. But then you have like Data Scry Salvage, which is like that six objective mission. It's a hold two. He's slow. He can like if yeah. he, if he if he goes up to like one set of two objectives, he's never going to make it to the other set of two objectives. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah, in, in, I think, and also like he can't move over enemy units or anything like that. Like, he doesn't yep. fly or anything fancy. Yep. So, if your opponent's smart, they go, okay, cool, I'm going to put a, you know, a screen of guardsmen in front of Abaddon. And it's like, cool, Abaddon, he's a 300-point unit. He goes in and kills 50 points with a guardsman. Yep. You know, clap, clap. Ah, that was the second so, word of power. Second so, word of uh, power. There it was. I love it. I love it. Bleep that, Seamus. <laughs> so, love, love you, mate. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I think the problem is is if, if, people, if people see Abaddon, there's plenty of options at their disposal for dealing with him. You know, yep. They can either go cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna put roadblocks in front of him of just small, you know, insignificant units. 
that are going to stop Abaddon from ever making it into combat with my important stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's, I mean, he's got a gun, but it's not great. Like, no. so if he's not, if, if your opponent's able to stop him from getting into combat, then he's, he's 300 points. That's bad. Yeah. You know? And the other option is they just, if they're like something fast, like Eldar or, you know, Tau even, they can just sort of hide. They can just sit back and just pepper from range and stay outside of his charge range. Um, I actually have been ex- experimenting with running Abaddon because, I mean, I th- still think he's good enough to put in almost every list. Yeah. You just need to, if, you're, if your opponent's really smart, they're gonna, it's going to become a unit that you need to use smart. Yeah. So what I've been doing is I've been putting him in and then just deep striking him on his own into their backfield. That's... Cool. That is real cool. And it's he, like, so people think you're going to protect him with Terminators and you're going to make this thing, but it's like, no, I'm actually, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a really hard to kill Terminator unit that's protecting my soft characters. And then turn two, there's an Abaddon in your backfield. So do you want to turn around and go back and get him? <laughs> yeah. And probably fail to well, kill him anyway? Or are you going to let me just run through your backfield with Abaddon? Do you think about what that does to Tau when they, well, like, when Tau has one phase of damage and you deep strike Abby into their backfield? Because screening, yeah. screening out like five, even five Raptors is relatively easy. He's he's a single guy. Is he on a sixty or on a fifty? No, it's like a. It's even bigger than that. It's, it's, like a dreadnought it's, base. It's a, then it's a 60. It's, it's a dreadnought base. A 60. 60, yeah. Yeah, one single 60 is is pretty easy to fit in a lot of places. Dude, if you did that yeah. first, like, yeah, a single damage army, they'd be like, oh my god. <laughs> I am or even if, even if, like, hypothetically, you do that against somebody who's uh, got psychic damage, shooting damage, and combat damage, right? And they're like, yeah, yep, cool. And they're like, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to kill Abaddon. And they get super excited. And they you know, don't. they're like, yes, I can do it. And then all of a sudden they're redirecting all of their force into their own backfield. Yep. Which mean and they're dedicating all of these resources that could have been killing your backfield. Yep. You know, or they could be killing your other big units, but instead they're going back mm-hmm. and killing Abaddon. And that means that you're now able to push forward and push them even further back into their own their own sort of zone. I love that idea, by the way. I think that that's, is... That's how I've been wielding it. That's, that's how I plan amazing. to wield him. I'm, that's amazing. Because he is... He, and, and let's be honest, it's Abaddon. He would love being that. He, like, ah. Just, I'm on my own. I don't need anyone. Yeah. I've got this. You know, I have to do everything myself. And then he drops into their backfield and then their opponent's like, oh, no. <laughs> He's in his element, mate. Um, I would like to have a little bit of a laugh for a second because the talent of Horus that is used by Abaddon is the same talent that killed Sanguinius. Just going to point out to people that this is all it takes to kill Sanguinius. Strength 6, minus 4, 1 damage. That's a profile that kills a Primarch, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, to be fair, he did that, like, you know, 10,000 years ago. It's, it's, what, it's rusty. It's, it's rusty. It's like, it's, yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like my Commodore is only eight years old and it's a piece of crap. Like yeah. this thing's 10,000 years old, yeah. you know, it's, in its, its prime, it was probably, you know, strength 20, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Still, I'm just going to, I'm just going to haze uh, Paul Murphy with that later because he's uh, the Blood Angels fanboy of all fanboys. I'm like, uh, yeah, guess yeah. what profile kills your Primark? <laughs> <laughs> it's trash. <laughs> It's not even damage to you, punk. <laughs> if only Sanguinius had a rule that he could only take three wounds a phase. Oh, dude, if only. If only. He would have <laughs> li- <he> lived that. <laughs> anyway, yeah. mate, on that note, we're going to get into the last segment of our review. And this is encapsulating. This is the end of the, the Chaos Space Review, guys. The entire book's done. Um, the only thing we haven't done is every data sheet, which we're never going to do on this show because it's just too many. Um, my man. So I usually rate two uh, codexes by two metrics. I give a one to ten 
metric for how good this codex is for the player base for the and how happy chaos space brain players are going to be with this book how would you rate it one's the lowest ten's the highest okay well i think it's a, that's a very interesting question because i think the chaos player base is is currently quite split because mm-hmm. for example me i would give anything to have the old codex back i loved the old codex and i was getting really good results with it mm-hmm. however that was only running a very niche very specific tiny list. little sandbox is what you operated right? in yeah that 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 list got way worse but all of the other chaos stuff got way better so if you're an alpha legion player or if you're a you know, black legion player you've just gone from utter trash to mm-hmm. actually decent protect like you know tournament winning quality yeah so I think overall it's it's good, but there are some things that got significantly less nerfed. So I'd probably just give it like a you know an eight, I guess, out nice. of ten. Yep, yep. Based on that. Yep. Uh, I give it about. I'm, I'm right the same. I'm a six or a seven. I think the player base. Um, so the way I look at this codex is that they pulled all the power out of the strats, even though you still have some very good strats. Um, but the last codex had like dumpster trash data sheets. Like your data sheets were so bad, man. But you had enough strats yeah. that if you had you had enough resources that it didn't matter. You're just like, well, I just slap on the strats and this thing just is fine. It's fine. Like Noise Marine's data sheet was utter garbage. But then you put three psyche powers and nine strategies on it and it was a world ender. It was literally like, oh, yeah. I'm gonna this unit is gonna table you by itself um, in two turns yeah. uh oh you killed me cool i'm tabling you faster because i shoot back um and so st- there was stuff like that uh this now has your data sheets are really good like the terminator data sheet is arguably the only one that may have gotten worse um uh, and even that's debatable because they got an extra attack they got an extra <laughs> wound um so i think it's a it's a, it's a better than pass it's a better than par because five's a par five's like it just kind of maintained the status quo anything below five it got worse than its preview codex anything above it got better i think this is marginally better so i'm giving it a six or a seven um how would you put this if we were going to rank it in our you know competitive tier list usually from well, usually I didn't even do a, a D tier, but now apparently, according to Peter the Falcon, guard is in the D tier. So, and it's the only thing in the D tier. And so, that's for, from C tier to S tier, where would you put the CSM book? Well, it's interesting because I think when, whenever I'm re- reviewing a book or considering writing a list or anything like that, the first place I go is the secondary objectives, right? Yep, yep. You p- pick which secondaries you, you like, which ones you think are achievable, and then you write a list that's designed to achieve those secondaries. And unfortunately, almost all of the CSM secondaries, including all of the Legion ones, all garbage. Really? I mean, the Iron Iron Warriors one's pretty good, right? What? What? The Iron Warriors one's like F tier, man. Which, 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 sorry, sorry. There's a Legion one that's very good. The the best one, in my opinion, is the Creations of Bile, which is basically you get two... VP for killing units in combat. Ah, uh, that's right. Sorry, apologies. The cre- creations of bile is good. The Iron Warriors one is your you your opponent gets to place a uh, bunch of objective markers it. down, yeah. so they get to choose where <laughs> they go, and then you have to do an action with one unit in your army that finishes in your command phase. So your opponent has a whole turn to stop you. It's awful. But you get like a command point or some crap. No, never mind. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, the, get, you get some trash. Fair, yeah. fair. So I don't know. I, I think the secondaries really let this codex down to the point where, yes, the units are cool. And yes, the combos are great. And yes, the stratagems are all really good. And the psychic powers are amazing. I just don't see it winning any tournaments because you're going up against people like Necron who automatically just get 15s for all of their secondaries. And you have to push really hard to get like a 9 to 12. On average, yeah. Yeah, I think th- I think that the secondaries are gonna make this unit this this so, codex 
suffer. You think that's the ceiling? The ceiling on the codex isn't the data sheets or the strats or the rules. It's literally yeah. just bang. Our scoring ability is not as high as other books. Yeah, that's yeah, that's fair. I mean, if that's what it comes down to, that's what it comes down to. Um, so where yeah. do you, where does where do you think they fall then in the the competitive rankings? It'd be a solid B tier. Like it, it's it's going to scrap. It's going to punch hard, and you're going to win games just by killing your opponent mm-hmm. so that they don't get their secondary objectives. Yep, and that that'll allow you to win the game. Yeah, but against a well tooled Sisters of Battle list or a well tooled Necron list or you know like those those really like honed in lists, mm-hmm. you don't stand a chance. Oof, ah, you hate to hear it. Um, I see. I had these guys solidly in A tier. And that was with that was with Knackman thinking in the in the in the previous packet. I think this this army goes up a whole tier of ability because um, having yeah, so many more CP to invest in their combos pre in their pregame combos as in their like you take two disco lords that are just buffed to the moons with relics and warlord traits and they'll just kill anything in the game and then you know you don't have any problems slapping down your defensive strats turn after turn after turn all that stuff. Um, Paying CP to make sure you you know you you reroll your life lagnes when it fails stuff like that um, and better secondary better sweeter secondaries generic secondaries to pick from yeah like if you could if you could still take stranglehold then you're like okay well that's locked well, in one that I'm going to get exactly. twelve to fifteen yeah dude exactly and stranglehold pairs really well with long, long war, war. So you're like cool yeah. so that's another one that I'm going to get a solid twelve mm-hmm. you know like. That's yes. that's really powerful. I feel like Nephilim took this from an A tier to a B tier army, which is which is yes. fine. It's fine. It, it's it's going to be very rewarding for a whole bunch of players. Uh, considering like this, that's still like a full tier better than they were. Like they were they were C tier, I believe, in the previous um, tier list I re- I did with Peter. So they've they've gone up a full tier. I think they went up two tiers, and Nephilim took them down one. So hopefully yeah. six months from now, if Nephilim does any changes, it'll un- unleash them a bit more. Um, but dude, yeah. that is going to wrap us up for this episode. I want to thank you so much for coming on. Um, we're going to go over to part two, which for this episode, I believe my part two this week is coming out free for everybody. It's actually going to be a compilation of hot takes. I've got Mark Perry lined up. I've got Vladi, uh, one of the superstars of the Polish scene. Um coming on for review i've got another wonderful gentleman who i'm gonna who can introduce himself when the time comes and dean coming over to do 10 to 20 minutes of chaos space marine hot takes what their lists are what they're winning with what they're losing with their pitfalls their traps their beautiful combos their favorite pieces come over and join us over on part two if you so please but dean anything you would like to plug before we wrap up i'd just like to say thanks again for having me on and uh yeah if anybody wants to hear more of my thoughts on this sort of stuff i've got a youtube channel and a facebook page just search blog for the blood god uh, and yeah on there i'm doing more deep dives on specific units going through every combination that that unit has available to it that sort of stuff so if you want more csm content i've got plenty coming out so yeah check it out please go and support dean and all his endeavors as a, as a great friend of mine a great friend of the show thank you everyone who's listened in and tuned in uh please uh, like share subscribe all that goodness and continue supporting me as you guys always do i love you all and thanks very much for listening take care Thank you for listening to Art of War Down Under, a content review podcast for Warhammer 40K, hosted by Adam Camilleri, produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War Down Under, signing out from tomorrow. Tomorrow.